last season on Adventure They Wrote. The Waterdeep Detective Agency, consisting of Max the Goblin Detective, their mysterious benefactor and cleric, the Countess, a tiefling lounge singer named Celine, Doran the Druid, a forest gnome, and Gilly Goodnight, the halfling bare-knuckle boxer and Waterdeep underpress newsboy, were hired by Odra Dyersbane, the widow of Gruckin Axehaft, the former head of the Luskin crime family in Waterdeep, to discover the culprit behind her husband's murder. Our investigation led us from burned down buildings in the South Ward to backroom dealings in a bar in Undermountain, but it turned out that the culprit was closer to our client than we could have ever imagined. Her son, Mons Gruckenson, had inadvertently set a rogue member of the Plague Rats Assassin's Guild on to his father. Upon learning of her son's involvement, Odra and her Luskin commandos attempted to silence the boy for good, but were thwarted by the very agency she had hired to find him. Now. They have escorted their friend Panana from the Jade Dancer back to the office, where we begin Season 2. They call it the City of Splendors, Crown of the North. We thought we were going to get a little downtime, a chance to spend all the gold we earned from our last case, but we wound up with neither. Giving those dragons to Croc to take care of that kid went against every goblin instinct I have. But I think it was the right thing to do. And now, we've got the Countess's friend Panana in a bind, and just like that, we're back to work. So yeah, they call it the City of Splendors. But to everyone else, it's just water deep. Okay, so you guys, you figured it out. You figured out the mystery of who killed Grucken. Panana was there immediately at the end and needed your help. And and you, you all sort of figured that that was not the right place this this bombed out bar room uh to take her concerns seriously so you you are back at the offices of the Waterdeep detective agency and you are wiped out you're exhausted you've just been through this big fight there there is something of an emotional toll uh that's been taken on some of you as well and um you're just trying to do your best uh, with Panana. So you, uh, you, you all enter the office. Um, she takes a seat uh, and is just sort of kind of wringing her hands, not in a, um, you know, overly distressed mood, but very concerned. So for the record, the Countess actually ushers Panana to her seat and uh, lets her sit in it. The comfy countess chair. Yes. And she's going to go uh, make some some tea. Excellent. And Celine could definitely use some tea. I think that emotional toll has definitely hit her. I like how it's just like inherently tea doesn't even have the uh, parentheses around them anymore. It's like, right? <laughs> no. Tea. It is known tea at this point. Yes. Not when the countess is making it. <laughs> And Max will, Max will do his very best to kind of stay out of the way and let the Countess take care of Panana, because I think while we, the members of the agency, have heard about Panana and have had the Countess talk about her, we have not met her in person yet. Yes. Um, so the Countess is just going to... Um do all the formalities that she usually does um, when she has a guest and not press immediately um, because she thinks that's quite rude. Um, so she will um, make the tea, um, ensure that everyone has a cup, um, but 
present it to Panana first and stand before her, drink her tea, and ask her, what is it that I can do for you, my dear? Panana, you know, takes a sip of tea and then looks down on it, surprised. She maybe has not had the Countess's tea before. And she, she gives it like an approving nod. Like, no, this was this was the right call. I needed that. <laughs> the, the Countess gives her a knowing little smile. So Panana says, uh, first, you have to understand that I source the goods in my shop from across Faerun. Oh, of course. That's entirely why I, why I visit your shop. You have things for everyone, really. Well, everyone who can afford it. <laughs> she nods, and then she, she looks at Max, like Max might understand the next part better. And she says, not all of the goods in my shop come there by strictly legal means. Oh, I think the Countess and Panana understand that as well. <laughs> That's why the Countess went to her with the uh, Luskin and the Luskin sword and the um, Drow ring. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so she and, and she kind of looks around to make sure that everyone is really understanding, you know, exactly what it is that she's saying. Yeah, we're on the uh, we're on the same page here. We. We understand. Uh, Doran will look over from cleaning up the investigation mural that he's working on, and he'll be like, you gotta clean up your act, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Celine will just give, like, a nod. The Countess will just say, don't don't mind, don't mind the druid. (laughs) (laughs) Panana gets it. She gets it. Uh, So she says, shortly after you visited uh, with your dagger, uh, a particular item came into my possession. Go on. It was a jeweled statue of a dragon. Oh. Celine perks up at the dragon. Uh, this dragon, this statue, uh, as near as I could tell, was, well, it came out of Amun, uh, and it was carved entirely of jade uh, with jewels encrusting it through various you know, uh, uh, places across the sculpture uh, with, you know, it had ruby eyes and diamonds all along the base and topaz claws. The, The whole thing was just the most, it was the most beautiful statue I've ever seen, but there was something more to it. There was something deeper. This was, I, I, you know, was able to procure it for half the price I should have been able to. The, transporter and she puts like a little emphasis on you know the word or you know the delivery boy uh, was anxious to be rid of it Um, and so I was able to procure it uh, much cheaper than I should have been able to oh my hmm this is always why I'm rather suspicious of discounts and good deals so do you still have it I do not I have an apartment above my shop and when I came down this morning to open the storefront, I found that I had been robbed. And you have to understand, that should be impossible. I figure you have some of the best security in the business, given your items and your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Expertise? 
uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Your uh, acquisitions, stolen goods. <laughs> <laughs> All of those things. She says, Goblin, I have wards out the wazoo. I feel like that's what a gnome would a gnome would say wazoo. <laughs> yes. Doran nods approvingly. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is Panana a gnome? Yes. Yes. Doran, come on, man. <laughs> we should have an expertise here on the gnome. He nodded approvingly. She says, I, I pay very good money to have my storefront warded against people that try to open the door wi- uh, without my approval, outside of shop hours. Um, individual items within the shop are warded against being taken out without my lifting the ward in, in the first place. Uh, and this particular item was uh, locked inside a safe. Uh, you know, one of the best safes money can currently buy, which was also warded. And still, when I when I uh, came downstairs this morning, I found it gone and nothing else had been touched. Uh, all right. So dragon statue of dubious origin, high value, but low cost. And it's the only thing missing. The, the safe itself is still there. The safe is there. When I when I got down to begin inspecting it, I found that the safe was open, and there were other items inside that hadn't been taken. And what was the value of the other things inside the safe that weren't taken? Just so we can get a better picture of what the thief was after. She gives you a little side eye, but she's like, rest assured... They were valuable. Yes, I... Okay, I understand. Point taken. Were were the wards still in place as of this morning? She says the wards on the door and the floor were still in place. The ward on the safe was not. Was the safe open? Like, did you you immediately notice that it was open and it was gone? Or was it not until you then went to open the safe that you realized it was gone? I love how specific that question was. I was about to say, I already said it was open. But then you you really drilled in the way a detective with a passive detective skill of 22 would. (laughs) She's, she thinks about it for a second, uh, and she's she's being very deliberate. You can see that she's taking this really seriously, and she's retracing the steps that she went through. And she says, when I approached the safe this morning, it looked closed. But I didn't have to enter the combination to open it. It just swung open when I pulled on the door. Got it. Okay, so they did their best to cover their tracks without rewarding the things that they opened. Got it. Okay. Do you have a ward on your ceiling? She thinks and she says, no, there is no ward on the ceiling. Selene is going to lean in and ask what type of ward because she has a little bit of magical background and can kind of do like arcana checks. So she's wondering if she might actually recognize what could have broken it. So um, the ward on the safe specifically uh, was an alarm. If someone tried to open it without releasing the ward, um, the even an attempt to open it would have resulted in a loud alarm going off in 
throughout the building. Um, the ward on the front door is intended to keep the front door closed, and the ward on the floor is, in, is intended to detect movement on the floor outside of standard business hours. Does Celine know a way to break that, though? I mean, given her... Criminal past. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go that route, yes. Yes. We're going we're gonna to call a spade a spade. <laughs> that You know that there are a handful of thieves and robbers capable of bypassing wards like that. But usually their skills are reserved for much higher end burglary. Like Panana's shop is definitely very well off. And when she says that these things are valuable, they are certainly valuable. But the the level of skill that would be required for a job like this, a thief or a burglar with that level of skill would find it really easy to get a spot on some kind of adventuring team or would be working possibly for like the Waterdavian government or throughout Faerun in other locations, they wouldn't be spending those skills burglaring a little curio's shop. Unless there was something worth it. Well, possibly. (laughs) Possibly. Does this sound like anything we have heard of recently? Like, have there... Is this the only instance of high... Uh, high-value item missing under mysterious circumstances. Yes. The way Waterdeep is now, like, kind of burglary and thievery is is sort of all part of, you know, the the current city-scape. But Panana and her shop is kind of in this, like, middle zone, right, where it's wealthy enough to be very well-off, and, and Panana is doing great, and she's got, you know... Uh, uh, an engaged clientele, but she doesn't have, you know, the sort of obscene wealth that the professional criminals would go for. Do you get what I'm do? You, so I'm, I'm sort of saying like entry level thieves and burglars would be going after, you know, lockboxes in low level merchant shops. And then high level burglars and thieves would be, you know, going after temples and manors and estates and all that sort of thing. There's a very slim kind of area where Panana's shop is where the the you know a lower level thief would think it's too imposing and an upper level thief would consider it not worth their time. Mhm. Now, Panana, my dear, once you discovered this, did you come to us straight away and lock up the shop? She says that she locked up the shop and she did some of her own digging first. She inspected the rest of the wards, both on the shop and her apartment above, and she considered going to the guards, but then thought better of it, um, because it's possible that the duty on this particular statue may not have been paid when it entered Waterdeep. Right, right. Yes, very very wise. The Countess looks around and, and says... Do you suppose we should have an excursion to sort of look at the scene of the crime? Celine will respond, Yes, I'd really be interested in what type of magic was able to break this ward. I might be able to find out who was capable of actually getting in. Yeah, I'm uh, 
I'm down for this. I think that this is a good idea. And um, I'm also interested to see if this is uh, the work of, I don't know, any of the, the bigger criminal elements that we have floating around the city. Well, whoever did this has access to powers that we don't. So we should be careful. What, what, what are you trying to say, Doran? I'm just saying be careful. Max looks at both the Countess and at Celine. <laughs> we can liquefy people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Countess is trying not to take offense. <laughs> <laughs> what he means is we don't get to spell magic yet. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's take a trip over to the shop and see what we can discover. Madonna says, yes, absolutely. I, I would be happy to take you there and sort of show you the scene of the crime. And so she leads you through the streets of Waterdeep. The Countess would like to make sure that we're not being followed. Okay. Uh, roll a perception check. Max is going to rely on his passive perception of 20. <laughs> oh, yes. She only got a 13. Uh, no, you're not able to see anyone following you. While we're walking to the to the shop, uh, the Countess would like to engage Panana further in discussing what's happened and say, now, recently, have you noticed any scoundrels or any unusual patrons, perhaps, entering the shop or milling about? Panana says, no more than usual, my dear. <laughs> Um, she, uh, but then she, she kind of takes some time to consider it, uh, more thoughtfully. She, she can't really think of anyone. She can't, she doesn't seem to be recalling anyone that would have caused her concern. Well, then she'll just fill in some of the conversation with, uh, with some of the things that have gone on. She'll, she'll talk about the Luskin dagger, um, and the, uh, drow ring, um, but she'll actually, she'll, anything that seems, um, seems that it shouldn't be talked about, um, in public, she'll just message with Panana. So you'll just have her starting a, a sentence and then it just sort of like fades off and, um, you'll notice that maybe Panana's sort of nodding and <laughs> possibly talking back to her. Just a bunch of crazy people walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the citizens of Waterdeep give you a wide berth. <laughs> a tiefling, a goblin, a half-elf, and two gnomes walk into a curio shop. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes talking, sometimes just making acknowledgments that each other are responding to each other. Yeah. <laughs> it, in my in my mind, it's like you're saying out loud, you're like, oh man, you should have seen the way that we handled and then you switch to <laughs> right. message and you finish you finish that sentence in, you know, telepathically instead. Yeah. <laughs> Max is just like, what? <laughs> As we approach the curio shop, uh, I would like to have Max just try to I want to I want to investigate everything around the shop in like I don't know maybe a half a block radius to try to see if there's anything leading in or leading out that Hanana being not an investigator might have missed okay if we're that close yeah I think you are that close now you sort of you give this this 
walk through, right? Like you, you circle the whole building. You kind of, you know, you're looking for for areas that the the thief may have entered, escape routes, all that sort of thing. Are you just using your passive investigation? Yeah, I think twenty two should work as we're just walking up. Yeah, yeah. You're not. Nothing is jumping out at you. Can you describe the building? Yeah. So uh, her, she has a sign over her door that reads Panana's Curios. There is one large window up front that's sort of the show window. This is where she has a few old tombs. um, And, like, there's a little sign under them that says magic, question mark, you be the judge. (laughs) And then, you know, there's, like, a a sort of, like, clockwork, like a foot-tall clockwork man that looks like if you wind it up, it'll, you know, dance a little jig for you or something. (laughs) Um, there's all sorts of weird stuff kind of hanging in that window, and it's all meant to grab your attention and bring you into the curio shop. Uh, the door is just one. Uh, it's like a single size door uh, of solid wood. There's no window in the door um, with a great big lock over the handle. And uh, above, you can see a, f- a f- couple small windows. It looks like there is a small gnome-sized Apartment that has been built over uh, a shop meant to accommodate, you know, the mini races of Faerun. Like the ceiling is a little bit taller in the shop. The focus of the shop was obviously to bring anyone in, um, but then the apartment is specifically for her. Got it. Max will feel right at home as with Dora, I'm sure. Max would like to have Panana open the door and make sure that. It is still warded as she is going in. So as she approaches the door, she pulls out sort of like a long crystal and kind of just holds it up to the door handle. And then she looks back and nods, confirming that the ward is still in place. Be sure not to touch anything uh, so that we can get a good look and um, so that any clues aren't disturbed. The Countess... um sees the crystal and she sort of arches an eyebrow because she had assumed that um, a ward required some sort of magical word or, or some other sort of thing and and she eyes the crystal and when they get inside she asks is it possible to make a copy of that stone that you used to open to check out the ward she holds up the crystal and looks at it and she thinks for a second, and she says, that rockbiter, if he made a copy of this, I will end him. Um, okay. Would you like to uh, um, give us a little context, please? She says, I, I, am, I have no magic. I am not innately magical, but there are a handful of agencies in Waterdeep that will ward your shop or your house for you for middling to exorbitant prices. I paid a bit closer to the exorbitant price, but I had never considered that he would have made a copy of my pass key. Mm. And who might this gentleman be? If we can call him a gentleman. She says, uh, I, I think I still have his business card. And she Excellent. goes and she pulls sort of like a Rolodex out from behind her counter <laughs> and thumbs through it and then pulls out a business card. And you can see that it reads, The Wizard at its Home Security. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I thank you. Max appreciates that. <laughs> Max will reach and say, um, "Do you mind if we if we borrow that?" She says, "Of course, take it." We might need to pay them a visit. I, you know, I might be paying him a visit too. Fletch, does Celine know of this wizard or agency? Based on some of the bars and things that she's worked at. Uh, You actually know that some of the bars that you have worked at have used this wizard. Uh, He's probably, his agency is probably one of the larger in Waterdeep that provides uh, home and business security warding. Would he have been employed at the Jade Dancer or the Gilded Post? No, neither of those. Typically a little bit higher end than those. Max would like to investigate the room to see if there's anything that might be out of place or anything that might be uh, pointing. I know that she said that the wards on the floor and the wards on the door were still in place, but that doesn't mean that things weren't moved while they were turned off before they were turned back on. So Max would like to investigate. The Countess would also just like to follow up with her question about the passkey and see if the passkey is for all the wards or if she has separate ones for each ward. Uh, She says that the passkey has, she explains that the passkey has zones on it for the different wards and that one key does control all the wards in the house from the front door, the floor, the safe, and then a couple wards on particular items of extreme value in the shop. It's interesting that it controls all of it. And if there was a copy that they didn't reward the safe, I suppose, do you suppose something interrupted them? Well, that's assuming that it was the person with the ward and not somebody who was able to bypass. Yes. Um, let's take a look at that safe. Uh, so she leads you back behind the counter. There's sort of a small room back there that looks like it might be an office. There's like a little desk in there with a, a great big magnifying glass. Um, the desk is lower down to the ground because it's Panana's. You can see, uh, you know, a bookshelf along one wall that's sort of bursting with tomes of, of history, the history of Faerun and the history of certain regions. And there are like art history and sculpture books and all that kind of stuff. And then in one corner is a safe about as tall as Selena's, like a, a pretty significantly sized safe. Uh, with all the controls lower down on the ground. So it looks like it, it was probably a custom job Excellent. specifically for Panana. So they're about at max height. Is there, is there a door to get into this room? Uh, the only door into this room is from the the uh, showroom floor. And did she have to use the ward to open this door? No, she didn't. Then I would like to investigate the safe. <laughs> Sorry, 15 on the dice, so 22. <laughs> 22 total. Okay, so this is a Deepwater Harbor Safe Company safe. And you know from your current experience and your past that this is one of the premier safe companies in Waterdeep. Not only is the company above reproach when it comes to their integrity, uh, but their product is known to be used by, you know, a good portion of the nobility too. Uh, lots of people want these saves and there aren't a lot of them. Uh, they are all custom made in Waterdeep uh, for the people that order them. And give me that name of the safe company one more time, please. Deepwater Harbor Safe Company. Once Max is done investigating, Celine wants to do a detect magic to see if she can 
sense what school of magic broke the ward. And did I discover anything out of the ordinary or um, out of place other than the jade dragon statue that we are currently on the hunt for? Is there perhaps a falcon in there? There is no falcon. (laughs) No, actually the safe has been cleaned out. All the other items in the safe have been removed. Uh, was that Panana's doing, or was that the thief, uh, another thief's doing? Panana explains that it was her doing. Uh, she thought Got that it. you might want to investigate the safe, and she had items in there whose existence needed to be uh, <laughs> not disclosed. <laughs> Max will do the you know the tap on the nose. The, mm, all right. Would that have affected, negatively affected my investigation because things have been moved from the way it was after she discovered the missing dragon? I don't think so. That's a great question, but I don't believe so. The only the only context that you're really missing here is exactly how valuable the rest of those items were. Right. But she's she's intimated that they are of priceless origin and value. Significant value, yeah. Yes. Got it. Okay. So whoever came in here was able to get past a door ward, a floor ward, and then through the door into the safe room. Unward the safe, open the safe, take the dragon, close the safe, but not reward it, and then leave. And are there any other, is there a back door, is there a back exit from this level of the shop, um, uh, somewhere like where she might take deliveries from the alley or anything like that? Uh, she says that there was a back entrance, uh, but it had been bricked over years ago. So all the deliveries, everything that comes in and out of the shop go through the front door. She confirms that, yes. How thick was the used-to-be back door? Was it a foot of stone? Was it made out of metal? Like, how was it built? Are you are you asking about the door that was replaced or the brick that is there in place of the door? The brick that is there in place of the door. Panana uh, looks kind of back and sort of like she's thinking and she says, I, I don't know. I, you know, I paid workmen to brick it up because I didn't want too many ingresses and egresses to my shop. I just wanted the one front door. Fire code be damned. So, Celine is actually going to go over to where that back door used to be. She's, she's going to ask Panana, can you, can you show me where the back door used to be located? She moves towards the back, and this is, there's sort of a, like a small hallway uh, that leads to another smaller room, not as big as the front showroom, but another smaller room with like some shelves and a glass display case. And the de- glass display case is pushed up against one wall. Uh, and she points to the wall behind that glass display case. And she says it was uh, there. It was back there where the door was. Okay, thank you. And she, S- Selena's going to go up to the wall and she's going to cast Detect Magic to see if anybody has recently opened the wall and then mended it. 
That old black magic has me in its spell That old black magic that you weave so well So you do discover trace elements of magic on that area, uh, but you are not able to ascertain which school of magic in particular it derives from. Are there any cracks in that brick? Selena's going to just look around and be like, well, at least we can confirm that there was definitely something happening back here, even if we don't know exactly what. Uh, Max's question would be, how old is the magic that is remaining there? Can she tell that? No. Just that there's magical residue. Brad, you asked if there were any cracks in the brick? Yeah. No. There are not. I mean, if they're a fourth level, they should be able to mend a little bit better than... (laughs) Well, as a little cheat, if you can see, you can teleport. So if there's even a crack Uh, in the brick, uh you could use different spells to get through. Oh, yeah. Or use, like, I don't know, gaseous form or something. That's true. What time of day is it? We're talking middle afternoon now. Middle afternoon. Yep. Okay. Doran's actually really sad. He had a whole plot figured out of how the guy did it. Well, darn it. I thought I knew what happened. He stood at the window. He cast a floating disc. He teleported to it through the window. Then floated over to the door, opened the door, jumped out, cast a spell magic on the safe, hopped back on the disc, and teleported right out again. Oh my, you have quite the imagination. Doran's going to turn into a bloodhound and then walk around to the other side of the wall and smell and see if he can pick up any clues about someone standing there casting spells or something. So you're in a back alley and there are lots of smells back here, but you you do smell something that seems out of place and it's sort of like a like a high-end perfume. It doesn't mesh with everything else that you're smelling. You're smelling, you know, old food, people that slept out there last night. But then kind of underneath it all is the smell of very high-end expensive perfume. Does Doran think he could recall the smell of this perfume if he smelled it again? Yes. Perfect. But there's no other evidence or clues of anything on the other side of the brick wall? Not really. Uh, There are no footprints. Um, There's no, uh, well, I mean, there are footprints, but there are no footprints that like approach the wall and then stop. And then another pair of footprints walking away from the wall or something like that. There's just like the normal traffic. There's not like a small pile of cigarettes. Other than that smell, everything is normal back there. Are there any animals back here? Other animals? Yeah, there are like some rats and uh, that kind of thing. So Doran will turn back to normal uh, and cast speak with animals. And uh, he'll he'll grab the closest rat. We won't grab him, but... Hey, you! You see anything weird happen with this wall lately? So, uh, the rat, sort of in its, in its little rat way, tells you that uh, uh, the woman went in it. I think it would be hilarious if this was the same rat that Doran um, interrogated in session three. (laughs) Yes. I remember you. Oh, Frank, hey. (laughs) I moved away from there to get away from you. (laughs) Doran is going to give that rat a little meat pie and thanks. A whole meat pie? Wow. That's like a stack of gold. (laughs) (laughs) The rat, like, sniffs it. And then looks up at you in disgust and sort of just scurries away. <laughs> Boo. This red has no taste. Uh. Well, whatever. And he walks away. 
Dorn will communicate that information back to the team. Do you have any sort of description of the perfume? Uh, floral notes. Uh, sandalwood. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of coriander in it. Exactly. <laughs> are, there any speci- are there any specifics that Dorn can give that we can ask Panana if she recognizes? Um, sandalwood is pretty good. It's it's closest, whatever the Faerunian equivalent of sandalwood is, that's what this perfume is. It's almost... Birkenstock wood. Yeah, Birkenstock wood. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a little more earthy than it is flowery. Does that description uh, give Panana any sort of... Um, d- d- does that spark any recognition that we could go off of. She thinks about it. She really tries to remember if anyone had, uh, if anyone smelling like that had um, entered the shop. And But she says, no, I, I that is not ringing any bells. Uh, Max would like to do a thorough investigation of that back hallway now that we know that the rat says that a woman went through the wall there is a distinct perfume smell outside. Uh, mm-hmm. Dorn, do you smell that perfume inside? Is there any trace of that perfume inside the shop? Well, Dorn will have to use his second wild shape. I'll, I'll say so that you don't have to use that other wild shape. I will say that you do recall smelling that scent in the shop. Oh, yeah. I just maybe didn't think anything of it at the time. Yep. Yeah. Until you got outside. So, yeah, Max would like to do a, a, a quick thorough investigation. <laughs> That's a 12 on the uh, on the back hallway. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't really find anything else. Uh, there's there's it seems like everything else is kind of in place where it was, you know, where it's supposed to be. There's nothing super telling that, okay. you know, if, if it weren't for this one thing being missing, it would be impossible to tell that this place was robbed. OK. And um, so Panana. Uh, just to clarify, you want us to find your missing bejeweled dragon and return it to you. Um, is that is that kind of where we're going with this? Banana says, more so than that, I'm concerned that this thing is dangerous. Understood. So if you return it to me, that's fine. If you return it to the authorities of Waterdeep and maybe my name doesn't get mentioned. Okay. That is also fine. She says there is there might be one small problem. Lay it on me. I don't exactly have a great deal of liquid wealth right now. Everything is kind of tied up in the shop. So what if... As payment for, you know, finding this thing and either returning it to me or or getting it into the hands of the authorities, I give you each one thing from the mystery bag. And she holds up like a mist, like a, it's like a sort of a big sack with strange shaped bulges kind of along all the sides of it. And it, it looks like it should be too big for her to hold up, but she's lifting it, like, pretty easily. Ooh, that sounds fun! Let's do it! <laughs> Selena's also really intrigued. <laughs> Max nods, but then, like, looks at the Countess, because he defers to the Countess in all things money. <laughs> I think the Countess uh, will smile very widely and message Max and, and just sort of say... You can't even imagine the 
monetary value of some of the things that Panana acquires. Oh, excellent. Uh, M- Max will message back. Ah, uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll turn to Panana and uh, reach out his little goblin hand and say, agreed. As in to shake, not to reach into the bag. Oh, great. Yeah. So Panana uh, gives one, like, the kind of grin that only a gnome, like an excited gnome, can give. And she shakes your hand and she says, Thank you for your help finding the Amanese dragon. And there you have it. Welcome to season two of the Adventure They Wrote podcast, titled appropriately enough, The Amanese Dragon. Hello there, I am Jason, your producer, also Max the Goblin Detective, and I want to say a quick thank you to everyone who stuck with us through episode zero, parts one and two. We've received quite a few really awesome reviews on iTunes, to which I would also like to thank you very much. The more reviews that we receive, the better visibility we have, and with the D&D podcast scene growing ever denser by the minute, it's really nice to have that little boost, so thank you very much. Also, as usual, I would like to give a huge thanks to Tabletop Audio. We've got a few new tracks that we're playing around with this season, and they're all from the private stock, aka the alternate tracks that you can have access to through the Patreon. We subscribe. It's a wonderful way to give back to a service that's absolutely free for anyone to use during any tabletop gaming experience. Check them out. They've got music and ambiance, sound effects, and sound pads. It's tabletopaudio.com. Final quick note, our trusty bare-knuckle boxer, monk-slash-newshound Gilly Goodnight is off on assignment this season. But we've got some more surprises in store, and once we're able to record a full cast short rest, we'll be able to tell you a little bit more. So that's it for this episode. Thank you again for listening, and as always, tune in next time for more mystery.